Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. I would say good afternoon, but there's going to be nothing good about this discussion. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Let's say this. It's not going to be a good discussion, but hopefully something good can arise from it. Does that make some sense? We're going to be talking about something that's not good. We're going to be talking about something that's not pleasant. We're going to be talking about something that's actually horrible and horrific, but I'm hoping that something good can arise from it. So I will just say welcome, everyone. It is Saturday, October the 29th. 2022. It is currently 3.02 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Theology Central Studio, located right here in Abilene, Texas. Yes, it's going to be an unpleasant discussion, and I, 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 I have debated with myself, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? And then I received an email last night And the email very much is connected to this topic. So then I'm like, okay, maybe we'll turn this into a mini-series. So this may turn into a mini-series, and and we'll see. We'll just see what the reaction is to it, how many questions are asked. And I'll be willing to continue dealing with this very unpleasant subject as long as we need to until I, I think that we have answered all the questions and come to the most biblical and theologically sound conclusion that we can come to. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be difficult. If 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 you've ever listened to this uh, podcast or or my teaching, you know that's what I I tend to do, right? I take an issue and we work through all the difficulties and all the struggles, and I I can't worry about who gets offended. I can't worry about which, which team or which side in Christianity is going to get upset because the reality is sometimes we have to deal with very, very, very unpleasant issues. Sometimes we have to, and that's what we're going to do today. So I hope you are ready. Let's begin with a very important truth. All right, I want to make sure that this truth is just, I talk about this truth constantly, but for this series, we have to be reminded of this truth. Christians still possess a sinful nature. Christians continue to sin after conversion, and we contend we sin constantly, no matter what we may argue, no matter what we may try to, to argue against that. That's the reality. We sin, we sin constantly. We, we sin in thought, we sin in word, we sin in deed, we sin in the things we do, and we sin in the things that we fail to do. We are constantly falling short of God's word. We constantly fall short of God's law. We don't love God the way we're supposed to. We don't love others the way we're supposed to. We fall short of God's uh, demand that we be holy as he is holy. We are sinners. And sometimes the the church wants to put, put forth this idea that, oh, when we became a Christian, somehow we just magically, we just magically stopped sinning. Or some Christians will even put forth this idea, when we became Christians, we can say no to sin and yes to God, which seems to imply that we can be, well, 
basically sinless. Now, sometimes they'll say, well, you can't be sinless, but you can say no to sin. But if I can say no to sin, then at least the potential for sinlessness should be there. The reality is this. We are sinners. And guess what? 2,000 years of church history, guess what the church has demonstrated over and over and over and over and over again? Sin. That over and over again, the church has demonstrated horrific, horrific thinking, horrific actions that the church has used the, the name of Jesus to justify horrible things. People have been hurt. People have been abused. The church has, has done so many horrible things in the name of Christ. And there's no way to, there's no way to, uh, to deny that. There's no way to ignore that. In fact, you can't talk about any meaningful subject without at least starting. That's your, that's your foundation point. That's your starting point. Christians are sinners. We continue to sin and we will all the way till glorification. We have a sinful nature. The church has been filled with sin forever. And I know typically what Christians like to say, no, 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 all of that bad stuff that happened in the church, that, that wasn't Christians. That was non-Christians in the church. No, Christians sin. Christians do horrible things. We, if, you, if you deny that, then, then you are extremely, it's sad to say, you, you, you are extremely living in denial. And that's where we have to start from, because we're about to talk about some horrible things connected with Christianity and the church. Now, I'm going to be mentioning the name of a very famous pastor. And when I mention the name of the pastor, immediately all the conversation about this podcast episode in this mini-series is going to turn into, oh, you don't like that pastor. Or everyone's going to either, because Christianity is so broken into tribalism, Oh, no, no, no. You can't speak against my favorite pastor. Oh, no, I hate him. Yes, yeah, speak against him. I, I'm only mentioning the pastor's name because he's involved in the story. This podcast series is not about him. This podcast episode is not about an attempt to bash him or bash his church or anything like that. That would miss the point. I want to take him, this story where he is mentioned and talk about something far bigger than that, something that has impacted the church for a very long time, and that I think there's still much confusion, and many horrible things have been done in the name of Christianity, and in the name of, of phil being theologically sound, and we have to deal with those issues. So I will be mentioning a pastor, but this is about a bigger issue. The goal of this episode is just really to kind of get this, this information out there to introduce what we will be talking about in, in future episodes, all right? But we have to start at the found. I cannot stress this enough. The foundation point is we are sinners. The church is filled with sinners. The church constantly demonstrates how far we fall short. That's why all of Christianity, we, the, the whole point of Christianity is sinners are saved by an imputed righteousness. But we remain sinners. Now, I'm not excusing any sin. But anytime people try to create some fraudulent form of Christianity that, oh, no, no, when you become a Christian, boom, you can just stop sinning. It's just ridiculous. 2,000 years of church history argues against that. All right, so here we go. Here is the news story. It is not pleasant. It is disturbing. And if you have young children around, you may want to either hit pause, put on headphones, or listen to this at a later time. Here we go. 
The news story was posted on October the 27th, 2022, so just a couple of days ago. Here is the headline. Woman says John MacArthur's church taught her to stay with abusive husband. Now, this is, a, this is a different story than the one where the woman ends up being excommunicated after her husband, well, it goes to prison for sexually abusing the children. The woman, the woman in the whole process gets ex- excommunicated. John MacArthur's church does not lift her excommunication. That, 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 that was a horrible story in and of itself. We've talked about that. This is a different story. Right? So a woman says that John MacArthur's church taught her to stay with abusive husband. Now, I don't want to make it about MacArthur. I don't want to make it about Grace Community Church. I want to make it about Christianity at large. I want to talk about women, submission, and abuse. And that's what we will work on in this series. But we at least we're going to use this story as the starting point because it brings up Bigger theological issues beyond, again, I don't want you to focus on MacArthur. I want you to focus on the, on the church and women, submission, and abuse. Here's the story. Krista believed it was God's will that she marry her husband. Now, let's just stop right there. This, we may not get very far in this episode, but that's okay. We may not get very far in this episode. Let's start with Christianity and its teaching on how to supposedly find a spouse. How to know that you're marrying someone because you got to marry who God wills you to marry, right? That you're told that is great. You've got to figure out God's will for who you are to marry, right? And you've got to pray about it. And it's a feeling. You got to go with this. You got to, and sometimes it becomes this mystical, weird experience. And so many times Christians are like, no, th- I, this is the, this is the will of God that I marry this person. They will tell everyone it's God's will, right? Believing it's God's will. They marry this person. And then five years, 10 years, 15 years later, it ends in a divorce. Sometimes in the world, it's the, the magic word is compatibility. Are we compatible? Have the same interests, have the same desires, have the same this, have the same. It's compatibility. In Christianity, it's not so much about compatibility as it's supposedly about God's will. That's the key. If you're going to marry someone, it's got to be God's will. And we tell everyone it's God's will, even though the marriages fall apart all the time within Christianity. But, but supposedly it was God's will, which raises all kinds of questions. Either one, so God, God, it was God's will for you to marry someone you were going to divorce? Or was the divorce God's will? What was, what was God's will in all of this? But everyone forgets that. But, but at the beginning, it's, oh, I believe this is the person. This is the person. And I think that there's some major issues with there. We, I think within Christianity, we got to remove this mystical idea of trying to figure out God's will for who to marry. Or we have to redefine what we mean. Biblically, here's the key. The Bible is pretty straightforward. You're not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. So, Anyone who's an unbeliever, according to scripture, that would not be 
God's will. Anyone who is a believer would fall into God's will. Now, from that point, you could just look at it from a very just normal, everyday, not mystical or supernatural way, just like, okay, you've got to have, obviously, you would think some agreement on doctrine or theology, some to some level, because you're going to have to go to church, right? You're going to have certain things like that, and then, and then you, can, you, you can start, so you got to figure, that, that would still be a part of Christianity, but then you should just start looking at it from just like a normal person, compatibility, likes, desires, what you have in common, what you don't have in common, what, what you want, what they want. You, you got to look for those kinds of things. But sometimes within Christianity, it's God's will, it's God's will, it's God's will. So in this particular case, Krista, the woman, believed it was God's will that she marry her husband. So she thought it was God's will. Now, again, I'm, I don't know exactly what she means by that. If she means, well, he's a believer, I'm a believer, so it's God's will as far as that. Now, if it, if it went beyond that to some, it's a feeling, it's a, it's an, it's an, you know, an inside voice. Well, then that, that, that is so subjective and, and crazy. And, and, and we've got to get that out of Christianity because it just, we end up looking so foolish. It's God's will. Well, that's not God's will anymore. It's God's will. It's not God's will anymore. All right. So Krista believed it was God's will that she marry her husband. She believed it was his will for her to deny herself. Now, the Bible does say that we are to to take up our cross, die to self, deny self, and no longer follow self. That is the call of Christianity. That is what we are called, a life of self-denial, self-death, and no longer following self. That is true. How far do we take that? How far do we take that? In marriage, outside of marriage, what does it actually look like? Because in this very horrible and horrific story, it goes in this direction. And again, if you have small children around, this is the time to stop. All right, here we go. She believed it was his will for her, God's will, for her to deny herself. To endure the pain each time her husband reportedly raped her mere hours after giving birth. Now, either she heard some teaching and did not understand it, or she received some really crazy teaching. I don't know, but she believed, okay, I'm supposed to deny myself. It's God's will that I marry this man. So I have to endure the pain each time my husband rapes me, even if it's just mere hours after giving birth, because that's what I'm supposed to do. They say, well, she got that wrong. Maybe, maybe she got it wrong, but why? where, Where did these ideas arise from? Well, they come from, again, what's our starting point? Christians are sinners. Christians sin, and we use the name of Jesus to promote some very horrific ideas. Is is she a victim of one of those horrific ideas? Is she horrific of her own misunderstanding of Scripture? So let me read this again. She believed it was God's will to marry her husband. She believed it was God's will for her to deny herself. She believed, obviously, it was God's will to endure the pain each time her husband reportedly raped her mere hours after giving birth. 
She obviously believed it was God's will to not intervene when her seven children cried out for mercy as her husband reportedly beat them. Every day when the kids are screaming in pain, I'm defying every natural thing as a mother to stand up for the stand up for the doctrine that I was taught, she called. Krista, who asked to remain anonymous to protect her and her children, says she learned this doctrine at John MacArthur's Grace Community Church. Now, let me stop right here. Let me stop right here. Again, I don't want to make it about MacArthur. I don't want to make it about Grace Community Church. I want to make it about how sometimes things are taught within Christianity. Sometimes there can be an amount of truth to something, but it's taken to a ridiculous level. Sometimes Christians, because we are sinners, will take a truth, twist it, and abuse that truth in the most horrible way that can cause people to suffer. There were were Christians who supported Right? Who would believe, who tried to use scripture to support things like slavery, to support things like denying civil rights to people of, of a different race? Because we, the starting point of all that, we are sinners, and because we are sinners and we pick up the Bible, we do horrific things with it. We make it say what we want it to say, we, say, we, we use it to hurt other people because we are sinners. The article continues, photos and church documents show Krista's husband was a longtime Grace Community uh, member, a Grace Community Church member and lay leader. Police records obtained by the Roy's report detail the years-long abuse Krista and her children suffered, though she found out this year that the, pros- the uh, prosecutors decided not to press charges against her husband due to insufficient evidence. And by the time she reported being raped, the statute of limitations had expired, according to documentation from the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. Now, I'm not here to get into, you know, because everyone will break into teams. Well, she should have reported it earlier, or if there was sufficient evidence, then maybe he's not guilty. I'm not get, I'm not here to get into all of that. What I'm here is to take this, this these reports and this story to get us to these bigger issues that have manifested themselves in horrific and horrible ways within the Christian church throughout 2,000 years. There's no way to deny that children have been abused and women have been abused, all in the name of Jesus, all while quoting biblical scripture. There's no way to deny that, which goes back to my premise. We're all sinners, and because we're sinners, we do horrible things with the word of God. Let's continue. Los Angeles Police Department, Detective Nancy Nelson, who's handled more than 1,000 abuse cases during her 32-year career, said many abuses uh, cases don't lead to charges because of the physical evidence required. Abused women are usually so beat down and they're so frightened that they're not going to take pictures and do anything like that or save evidence somewhere because they're so afraid of the suspect. Krista added another reason she didn't take pictures of her battered and bruised children is Grace Community Church had conditioned her not to keep a record of wrong. Don't keep a record of wrong. Does that that ring a bell? Do Do you know what scripture, where that comes from? Let me read it to you. 1 Corinthians 
chapter 13, right? Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, talking about what true love is, right? Uh, True love, a charity, the the King James uses the word charity, suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoice not in iniquity, uh, but, let's see, Vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unsilly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoice in evil, uh, beareth all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. Maybe it's from a different translation. See, I'm going to make sure I'm not missing a part. Um, hang on. Is not maybe from a different translation. Give me one second. Hang on. Uh, hang on. Hang on, I got to make sure I'm, maybe I'm thinking of a different translation. Is 1 Corinthians 13. Okay, oh, that's from the NIV. The NIV says it keeps no records of wrongs. Uh, Let me see, 1 Corinthians 13. Make sure I'm not missing it in the, the King James. Make sure I'm not missing it in the King James. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Make sure I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to make sure I, I don't misrepresent a translation here. Uh, let's see. Charity suffer, suffereth long and is kind. Charity endieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, did not be, be, uh, behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. All right, so in the King James, it doesn't appear, appear there. If you look in the uh, NIV, I'll tell you what scripture it shows up in the NIV. Verse, uh, let's see. Let's see, where does it show up? I think it's verse five. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. You'll hear it. You'll hear that phrase show up a lot in sermons, and they'll take the King James language and kind of show you where the idea is. But just, just so that you know, it's a biblical idea. Don't keep any records of wrong. Now, I'm not saying that's what Grace Community Church taught her to do in regards to this situation. I'm not saying that, but someone could take that, and depending on what they're told, they could be like, well, hey, you know, I'm a Christian woman, and these horrible things happen. I'm not going to keep any evidence of it. I'm not going to take pictures, because that's keeping a record of wrongs. You say, well, that's ridiculous. I understand, but but here's the thing. This, This is... Okay, remember my original premise. My original premise is very simple and very straightforward. My original premise is very simple and very straightforward. It's this, that we're all sinners and that Christians will use scriptures in horrible and horrific ways. But this is also very true, right? This is also very true. I know we, I know this is going to go against a lot of way Christians think, but the point is you don't know how anyone sitting in a church understands the scripture or what they do with it or what, how they understand it or how they take it. I have been, sometimes I am shocked to hear Christians talk about a scripture and you're just kind of like, what is happening right now? How did you come to that conclusion? Why did you think that? Well, it's right there in the scripture. It's right there. It's right. I mean, come on, it's right there. And you're like, I think I don't know what you're doing with that scripture. The reality is there are people Christians, 
And I, I know that the in most churches is almost taught when you become a Christian, you now have basically the supernatural ability to understand the scriptures. Well, if we have the supernatural ability to understand the scriptures, then there should be agreement within Christianity, and that's not the case. The, the reality is there are people who take the scriptures, who don't understand them, don't know how to handle them. They twist them either to their own harm, the harm of their children, the harm of someone else. Who knows what they're going to do with it? But it's true that for some Christians, and, and listen, this, this is her own admission, her own confession, that she did, not, she did not take pictures of her battered and bruised children because the church had conditioned her not to keep a record of wrongs. Now, I don't know what, what the church was saying. She may have completely misunderstood that in this context. That's why it has to be explained sometimes. For years, Krista kept her husband's alleged abuse secret, though she, though she said some leaders at the church noticed and even commented on signs of abuse they saw. Krista said when she was fi- when when she finally divulged the abuse to Grace Community Church leaders, they did nothing to protect her or her kids. Instead, the church urged her not to divorce. All right. We have a lot of issues here. We have the Christians kind of weird way of sometimes trying to figure out supposedly who you're supposed to marry according to God's will, where it becomes mystical and subjective instead of very simple, objective, and clear, all right? We almost forget compatibility and just go with God's will, which can lead to major issues. We have an, an, an idea here that, Christ, that that this woman suffered horrible, horrific abuse, reportedly, and according to her, the way she was taught, her understanding, not knowing if the teaching was specifically said this, that her job was to, well, it's God's will to endure this. It's God's will to, 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 to accept this. It's God's will. Deny myself and accept this. Deny my will and accept this. As she was raped and her children were abused. She kept no record of wrongs because in her mind that would be applicable to taking pictures of the abuse that she was suffering or her children were suffering. Then, supposedly, she tells the church, and the church doesn't do anything to protect her. They don't say, like, wait, you're being abused? The kids are being abused? Get out now. Get out now. We'll get you a place to live. The church will take care of you financially until investigation can happen here, that, that, that we can see what laws have been broken or not broken. We, we, can, we can let the criminal case run, run its course. And after the criminal case run its course, then we'll look at this, obviously, and see what can or cannot be done. But it appears what the church was focused on, don't get a divorce. Don't get a divorce. Don't get a divorce. If there's one thing, don't get a divorce. Divorce is far worse than abuse. That's how some Christians look at it. Divorce is far worse than abuse. Let's see what happens here. Church leaders were so persistent, Krista said, that she had, she had her attorney call the church to tell them to stop contacting her. Wow. When you have to have an attorney call your church to say, leave me alone, something's gone horribly wrong. If that is true, something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. Krista's attorney told uh, the Roy's report that he made the call because he believed Grace Community Church leaders were violating the restraining order, which barred her husband from contacting Krista 
either directly or through someone else. Well, that, okay. Uh, the, the Rory's report reached out to John MacArthur and Grace Community, uh, Grace Community and Grace Community Church pastor and elder Phil Johnson for comment, but neither responded. We also reached out to Krista's husband, but he declined to speak on the record. Krista's story comes after other uh, reports of Grace Community Church's teaching and practice surrounding abuse. One report revealed that John MacArthur shamed and excommunicated Eileen Gray for not a- allowing her children, her child-abusing husband back into her home. MacArthur, uh, uh, they also report, and remember, she ends up getting, she gets excommunicated because she won't allow her abusing husband back into the home who, who yeah, I mean, that whole situation was horrible. Uh, the, the Roy's report also reported that MacArthur covered up a Grace Community Church's pastor's sexual abuse and that the head of counseling at MacArthur School urged wives to endure abuse as missionaries endure persecution. And we reviewed that audio. And it was shocking and crazy. Hey, hey, just you, you endure, you submit, you submit even to abuse. Now, now, now we're adding a different element. So we got the Christian's weird idea on marriage. We got, we got some how Christians using teaching sometimes in a wrong way. We got Christians sometimes will misunderstand a teaching and do harm to themselves or others. So we have all of that. And then we have this idea that a woman is to submit, even if, even in abuse, she is to stay there and to submit. Carrie Hardy, a Grace Community Church pastor, when Krista and her husband attended the church, signed the baptism certificate when Krista's husband was baptized at Grace Community Church in 1994. Another Grace Community Church pastor officiated the ceremony when the couple got married about seven years later in 2001. Several photos show Krista's husband serving on three different mission trips, including a four-man trip to Germany the year before their marriage. All right, and they got a picture here of it. Uh, Krista told police her husband raped her countless times. Krista told police her husband raped her countless times, including hours after she gave, uh, gave birth to her first child in 2003. Krista cried through the entire assault, the police report states, adding that her husband assaulted her similar as, in a similar way uh, every time she gave birth. That's some disturbing stuff in this report. According to the police report, Krista submitted to her husband's abuse due to her religion that she shall, she shall submit, submit to her husband. She told, uh, she told the Roy's report that, that, that had she known it was okay for a wife to refuse her husband, she would have told him to stop. Only when Krista spoke with a therapist from the local domestic violence center did she realize that her husband was abusing her and the children, she told police. Now, that, that is frightening that she didn't even understand and that she did not know. Now, again, I, I, I don't want to say that the church was teaching that she should endure that, but somehow in her mind, she takes some of this teaching and comes to some co- crazy conclusion that, and, I, and, now, and now at least we do know, we reviewed audio uh, from that teaching. I think it was at Master Seminary, which was like, hey, a, a, a woman should submit even in abuse. And it was like, it was like, it was crazy. So we, we have heard that, but I'm not going to say specifically that the church is to blame for this, but somehow she takes these ideas and formulates a doctrine that she, you know, hey, I didn't know I, I could refuse. I didn't know I could say no. I didn't know my children were being abused. What in the world? 
is that. Okay? Now, it, yeah, so much we could do here. But then, let's see, only when Krista spoke with a, ther- a therapist did she realize, and then she told police, or, or was abusing her children, she told police. But then the family had begun attending another church. By then, uh, the family had begun attending another church. Krista told uh, the Roy's report. But she said they were, they were still in touch with people they knew at Grace Community Church. Grace Community Church leaders reportedly ignored signs of abuse. Krista said she never told people at Grace Community Church the allegations she described to police until after obtaining a restraining order in 2018. But she said one Grace Community Church Sunday school teacher saw how her husband treated the kids and even encouraged it. The police report report alleges Krista's husband would give the children 10 lashings uh, for each form of misbehavior and up to 60 if the children resisted. Krista told, uh, and, and now this gets to another doctrinal issue, about discipline of children. How, what, what is the correct biblical way versus a clear abuse? Krista told the Ruiz report that the Grace Community Church teacher witnessed one instance of what the police reported report describes and urged her husband to strike the child more than 20 times. The Sunday school teacher also advised Krista to clothe her children in long sleeves and take other measures to hide the children's abuse and avoid attention from social workers, she said. Now, again, these are just the claims. I'm not saying these are true. I'm looking at what happens in churches and how we should understand these things biblically to maybe stop it from happening in churches and condemn when it does happen. The Roy's report reached out to the teacher at Grace Community Church through a relation, but the person replied, leave us alone. Your solicitation is not welcome. So that, that's, they didn't deny it. They didn't deny it. Just said, leave us alone. Krista also recorded that a staff nursery worker noticed bruises on one of Krista's children one day when Krista brought the child to the church nursery. Uh, the nursery worker told the uh, Roy's report uh, she didn't wish to comment on the record. So nobody wants to talk. Nobody wants to talk. Again, nobody wants to talk about this. Krista told police her husband had an alcohol abuse problem and had searched for prostitutes on the internet. She filed for divorce after finding other evidence of infidelity, the police record report indicates. I would just like to know that, hey, even in a church that says, you know, lordship, 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 or you're not saved, it seems like these men can commit some really horrific things and still stay in good standing with the church. Oh, 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 and not only that, not only that, now you can say, well, the church didn't know. Okay, maybe they didn't. Sounds like the, there were some clear issues going on, all right? And, and in the other case, the woman got excommunicated when the husband went to prison for the abuse of the child, and, and the church never lifted the, uh, the excommunication on the woman. So, so there's clearly something going on. But what I want to demonstrate is all of the lordship, 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 lordship doesn't make the church more holy, doesn't make them more godly, and doesn't somehow no. Because, because threatening and law has never made anyone holy. That's a whole, whole subject. Listen to our series on law and gospel. All right. Um, after divorce proceedings started in 2018, Krista said she began opening up to uh, Grace Community Church members about her husband's alleged infidelity and alcohol abuse. She said she also revealed to people at Grace Community Church what she had told police regarding her husband's alleged abuse. In the fall of 2019, about a year into divorce proceedings, Krista says she, ag- she agreed to meet with two women from Grace Community Church, all right? Um, and they give the names of, of the two women. Um, 
And one of the women, her husband, uh, Pete, is uh, has led a Grace Life study for more than 20 years. So these are, are two women um, involved in the church. She meets with her. One supposedly was a former, de- a former Grace Community Church deaconess, according to this. I didn't know Grace Community Church had deaconesses. I didn't know that. All right. I, I, that, that seems, I'd have to verify that. But all right, that's what the claim is. They told me, you know, God planned this. Krista recalled from the meeting. So no matter what you're thinking, he ordained this. Krista said she believes the two women were trying to help. They just weren't equipped to do so. There are no resources at church to help women in this situation. The Roy's report reached out to Avery but didn't hear back. Uh, Another woman confirmed to uh, the Roy's report that she and Avery met with Krista but declined to discuss the details of their uh, conversation on the record. So no one at Grace Community Church will deny anything. They won't say anything. They they won't won't give us any information, which, and again, they've all been reached out to, to, to fix this or to try to give their view or their perspective. At the meeting and in follow-up conversations, Krista said the women asked repeatedly if she needed anything. All right, that's good. Krista remember asking for two specific things, help finding a buyer for the family van and help mentoring her boys. She needed to sell the van to keep her mortgage out of foreclosure, she explained. Court transcripts corroborate this and reveal the, uh, the cause of her financial distress. Her husband, was, her husband wasn't paying court-ordered support despite his five-figure monthly income. Krista also hoped finding a mentor would relieve some of her worries about keeping the kids happy while she uh, juggled everything else. Krista Krista said the women uh, recommended a a pastoral assistant with Grace Community Church local outreach as a potential mentor for the boys. Um, Soon, uh, this pastor soon called Krista. She said, but this message wasn't what she expected. Krista said this, this, uh, what's he referred to as? pastoral assistant um, at a Grace Community Church's local outreach, uh, he, he, he told her that if she wanted to be above reproach, she needed to drop the divorce immediately. I said, well, I can't do that. It will endanger my kids, Krista recalled. Krista said the pastor responded that he knew how to work around the system so her kids wouldn't be taken away if she allowed her husband to return. I just said, no, I have to divorce him, Krista called. She said she uh, told the pastor some of the details mentioned in the police report, including the alleged infidelity and child abuse, but none of what she said seemed to matter, she added. It was almost like I said nothing. When contacted by the Roy's report, the pastor said confidentially, confidentiality prevented him from commenting on this conversation with Krista, even if he remembered it. After speaking with the pastor, Krista said she asked her attorney to make people from uh, Grace Community Church stop calling her. Uh, Kristen's attorney attorney confirmed he was given the name and likely asked for him when he called the Grace Community Church offices in November 2019. Uh, the, the, The person said he understood that people from Grace Community Church were telling Krista not to go through the divorce because it was sinful. Please note, it's her. Let's focus on your sin. And, and what you're doing. All right. Uh, it says the, the attorney believed Grace Community Church was trying to guilt trip Krista at her husband's behest and violate in violation of the restraining order. According to a police report, Krista's husband abuse of her and her children lasted until her husband was barred from the home in 2018. However, the police report notes that Krista could not provide pictures of any injuries. 
Records from the Los Angeles County District's Attorney Office showed uh, prosecutors decided not to press charges against Krista's husband while the children told police they were beaten so badly they developed bruises, couldn't sit down, and cried for hours, prosecutors said. No additional cooperation to support the children's claim, according to a charge evaluation worksheet. So in other words, there was no proof, so they couldn't do anything at that time because she waited to a point where obviously the bruises and, and things were gone and there was no pictures taken of it. Now, again, you can, I'm not here to say what's true, what's not true. I'm not here to get into all of that. This is a story. It's all over the place. So I'm just using the story. What I'm doing is using the story not to get bogged down into the controversy. I'm using the story to bring up these bigger issues that Christians have to deal with. So let's go through some of these issues. All right, let's go through some of these issues that Christians have to deal with. And we need to formulate a biblical and theological perspective so that some of this hopefully could stop happening in churches. But let's begin with my basic premise. So let's go through this, all right? I I didn't read every bit of the article. You can read the rest of the article at the Roy's Report, uh, roysreport.com. Please look it up. Please read it all for yourself, okay? And and the comments under it, well, you you, you may want to avoid, yeah, sometimes the arguments under there are crazy, but that's, that's a whole different story. Okay, maybe we'll read them at a later time, but here's the deal. Here's the issues we have to work on. First, the Christian's idea of, I got to marry according to God's will. And they make it some supernatural, mystical thing where you got to hear, you have a feeling, okay, that's God's will. Because the minute we do that, then we put us in a, uh, an odd position. All right, this is the person God is telling me to marry. God is specifically saying, this is the one. God has communicated that with me and somehow outside of the Bible. All right, well, now now what are you going to do? I mean, this that's God's will. So whatever happens, that's God's will. God told you to marry that person, and obviously God knew he was going to rape you and abuse your children. So clearly, you're supposed to endure it. You see the problem that leads to? God's will in marriage, from a biblical perspective, is not some weird inner feeling. I No, here's what you look for. Is the person a believer? Yes. All right then it would be acceptable in God's will to marry that person because the only thing we only prohibition would be be not unequally yoked with an unbeliever now once you've established the person as a believer then you just rely on i don't know compatibility thought you get to know the person relatability what you have in common what you don't have in common all of those things obviously there would be concerns about doctrinal issues and things like that but you work through those things but you don't convince yourself oh no 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 that that's the person god told me god told me that person because once you say that then there's a, there's a tendency that even if abuse occurs, you're like, well, 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 this, this is who God told me. No, the, all you're told in scripture is do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Now, you could look at some other scriptures about things that the Bible would warn you about. I mean, the Bible obviously condemns alcoholism. So obviously you'd want to look for signs for that. The Bible would, would condemn certain things. But the point is, whoever you're married, this is what you have to realize. Whoever you marry is a sinner. Every church, sinners. Remember, that's my basic premise. We're all sinners. But, but we have to change the mentality there because Christians make it some weird 
mystical thing. And if you're telling everyone, this is who God told me to marry, when everything begins to blow up and fall apart and abuse and horrible things are happening, you're going to be very timid to tell everyone, no, 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 no. Okay. Okay. No, I was wrong. That's, that was, I, I didn't hear God. You're going to feel like now you're, you're psychologically, you're going to feel like, well, I've got, that's who I told everyone God's will was. You're, you're stuck when you kind of create this weird doctrine, the way Christians handle it. All right. So that's, that's, that's the first issue we have to talk about. Second, it's very, very important that we have to deal with the second issue. And, and, and there's, there's a number in the article that we, we, have to, we have to talk about, but I'm just going to go through some of these here. Okay, so we have to go to the, with this idea about when, this, now again, if you have children, set them aside, but we got to talk about this because there's this idea that within marriage, a lot of times it's put on the woman, but that no one can say no to sex. All right? The idea goes something like this, because and you, you, we see a little bit of this in this report. I, I didn't know I could say no. So, so the husband, for all practical purposes, is raping her. She's, she's crying through the entire event. But she's like, I didn't know I could say no. I didn't know I could say no. And this is based off a teaching in 1 Corinthians, and we will need to look at that, and we will do so in this series. But we've got to get a better understanding of what that means, right? What does that passage of 1 Corinthians mean? What is it really trying to say? Because it creates this idea, I can't say no. I can't say no. I, if I'm going to be a good, submissive Christian wife, I can't say no. Now, you, you could flip it. That, well, well the, the husband can't say no, but we know typically the way this would work, the husband would, would probably be the one saying, no, I want this, and you can't say no, and the woman may feel like she can't, and that creates some really major, major issues. And I think the whole understanding of that passage creates some serious pressure and drama and difficulty, and Christians don't like to talk about that. So we'll have to look at that passage in 1 Corinthians in regards to the husband and wife's sexual relationship and who can say no, who has power over whose body, and how do we properly understand that? So we got to understand, we got to understand that, and we got to understand it correctly. So we need, to, we need a, a, a better understanding of it's God's will that I marry this person, and we need a better understanding of sexuality within the marriage bond and how that works and what can and can't be done and how, how that is supposed to, to, to be understood because it creates some situation. Uh, again, I'm not blaming Grace Community Church, but she gets these ideas. I don't know exactly where the ideas come from. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe she just misunderstood a teaching, but it has to be clearly dealt with. Number three. We have to deal with the idea that many churches, for some bizarre reason throughout church history, has not handled reports of abuse anywhere close to the way they should. They seem to focus on stay together at all costs and let's not report this to the authorities. The, the focus seems to be on stay in the marriage no matter the abuse. Just deal with it. Just to, and we've got to, churches have to figure out if abuse is reported, this is, it's got to be taken seriously. 
We got to get the right help. We got to go to the right authorities. No, and, and yes, I'm not saying that you throw out the idea of forgiveness and mercy and restoration. I'm not saying you throw out those ideas, but the first thing has to be done to follow the proper legal procedures. And second, to protect. If someone's saying abuse is occurring, the church's first thought is, okay, how do we get them out of this situation? And what blows my mind, it's always these big churches that have million dollar budgets. They have million dollar budgets. Well, instead of spending your million dollars and all the ridiculous things big churches spend money on, that woman's being is reported abuse. Let's get her. Let's set her up somewhere where she has everything she needs. She has shelter, like not like just put her in a shelter, like a nice hotel, a nice rental property, whatever we got to do. Okay, you got a place to stay. We're gonna make sure you have food. We make sure you have elect- uh, your, your electricity, water, everything that you've got everything you need until we can work through this horrific situation. For hopefully the ultimate good would be repentance and restoration and, and, and everyone. But the main thing is we're going to focus on protection first. It should be report and protect. Well, actually, it should even go, it should be immediate protection. I would probably say immediate protection. Immediate. All right, we'll go with you right now to the house to get everything out. We will be right there to protect you. We're going to, and then we will report. He said, well, you should report first. Well, I'm just thinking immediately get them out of the situation. Immediately get them out of the situation. But the church, is, the church has lost its mind on how to handle it. Many churches, it's just cover up, 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 cover up. And it seems to always the abuser is the one protected and the abused isn't protected. So, so we have to, we're, in this series, we're going to try to focus on how Christians should think about marriage, right? About God's will, right? We've got to look, we've, we, we have to consider that. We have to think, we have to, we have to think about that. We have to understand that. We have to understand the concept of sex in marriage and who can say no and who can say yes. And how do we understand that? And there we have to understand how the church should handle abuse claims, and then we have to talk about submission. What does submission actually look like? What does it actually mean? These are the things we're going to work through in this series. Now, everyone's going to, you, you, you heard that story about John MacArthur's church. And again, I don't want to get caught up into MacArthur's, you know, great. No, MacArthur's evil. No, down with MacArthur. Oh, no, 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 support MacArthur. No, that, I'm not here to get into your tribalism and your team against their team. I'm saying what, what those reports are horrible. I don't know exactly what happened. I, I'll never know what's happened. There's very little I can do about what happened. I don't know. I know that this is another report and a long line of reports that seem to get worse and worse each time, but who knows? I wasn't there, don't know, and don't care to get into that. But what I do is want to take all of these issues and go, okay, how could the, how could the church, all churches, handle these things better moving forward? I know this, and I think this is straightforward, and I will say this in regards to MacArthur's church. When you excommunicate a woman— and then you find out that that husband has basically been sexually abusing the children and he goes to prison. I think maybe you want to apologize to that woman and lift her, 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 uh, her excommunication. I, th- I think that that's the least you could do because clearly you got it wrong. Okay. I mean, that, that is insane. 
All right. And if you got someone teaching anywhere close associated with your church or school that, hey, a, a abused woman should submit just like a, a missionary suffers a, abuse and persecution, a Christian woman who's being abused, she should submit to it. Whoa, what are you talking about? She should get out. You say, no, no, well, this goes down to the church's teaching on divorce. I really, I honestly don't think it even goes down to that. Of, of abuse is happening. It's separation. It's, it's immediate. Separ- get them out of the situation. We don't even have to worry about divorce at this point. Report, legal proceed- proceedings, investigations, protect, 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 protect. Then you can approach what the church should or shouldn't teach about divorce. And that comes down to what the scriptures teach or doesn't teach about divorce. And we know there's massive disagreements about it. These are the issues that we are going to have to talk about in this mini-series. The church's kind of weird idea that, that I'm, this is the person I'm supposed to marry. It's God's will. We've got to define that and, and limit that meaning to simply, well, that person is a believer because the Bible, the, the one thing it says, I cannot be un, unequal yoked with an unbeliever. Outside of that, we should look at it in a much more realistic and common way about trying to figure out who to marry. I think that's very important. We've got to figure out this thing about sex and, and marriage and exactly how that should work because, man, there's some bizarre concepts out there in the minds of believers that I think has done great damage. And I think typically it's women who suffer. And, and that, that's not good. With the third, we've got to figure out how, why churches handle abuse in such a horrible, horrible way. Why is it? That, it, that it, it doesn't seem protect or report. It seems to cover up, cover up. And, and this is a long-going problem all through the sex abuse scandals and all the things. I was looking at some chart the other day about uh, how many uh, sexual abuse cases reported in churches. I think, I think uh, the Protestant churches were far greater number than, than the Catholic church. It was some horrible chart. And I was like, what is this? I haven't verified all the numbers, but if I can verify the numbers, it was horrific. Which again goes back to my premise, the church is filled with sinners. We're all sinners. And then we got to get a better understanding of submission. What does submission actually mean? What does it look like? And then we could, at the end, at least discuss how do we look at the passages of Scripture on divorce. I know this. The scriptures, and this is this is just an important concept to remember. The scriptures, when we look at it for moral direction of what's right and what's wrong, the scriptures tend to be very, at times, very black and white. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. This is what you do, and this is what you don't do. And just remember, when sin gets involved, it can become ugly and complicated. And how do I take this very definitive, like this is the way and apply it to a situation where there is all kinds of sin and pain and suffering. And we, sometimes we have to think it through. Like the idea that God is sovereign. I truly believe God works all things according to his good pleasure and will. So when horrible things happen, yeah, 
We have either, I mean, look, either God's in control or God's not in control. If your theology says God is in control, the philosophical ramifications from that is horrible. But obviously Christians need to know when to mention that and when not to mention that. Hey, you've been raped multiple times by your husband and your children have been beaten and beaten and beaten and beaten. Hey, just know that's God's will for your life. Just accept it. Yeah. I may not understand God's will, but I know this. You need to protect and get yourself out of that. It's just like this. I believe God is sovereign, but if I get sick, if I get hit by a car, I'm not going to lay there. I'm going to call for an ambulance and, and go to the hospital and do whatever you need to do. Stop the bleeding, reset the bone, do surgery to repair any internal damage, whatever. So sometimes it's weird. Christians, on one hand, They're like, hey, if you're suffering in this marriage, you're supposed to just deal with it. And then five seconds later, they're like, I think I need a, I think, I think I need to go to the doctor. I'm not feeling well. Wait, it's God's will that you feel, uh, you feel bad. So why are you going to the doctor? Why are you seeking help? Christians can be wildly inconsistent in how they approach some of these subjects. But I wanted to at least in part one, that's from the, please note what I did. Not, I'm not arguing what's true or not true in the story, and I'm not here to bash MacArthur or Grace Community Church. I'm taking the things mentioned in the article, lifting them out and saying, these are the points we're going to look at. We're going to look at how Christians view God's will for marriage. We're going to look at how Christians view, like, who can say no in sex, or can they say no in sex, and exactly how that works. How church handles abuse, submission, what submission means, and and we'll throw in a little bit of maybe discussion about divorce and any other topics that you believe that news article brings forth. We're going to use the news article simply to cover these issues, not to get into, well, MacArthur did this and he knew this. And wait, how come, how, who, who, I'm not going to go true crime trying to figure out all of that. I'll let others get into into that because I don't believe that's edifying and really much much good really comes out of it because the church will just deny and the supporters will support the church and those who hate the church will use it to condemn the church. And it's just, it's just ugly. But we can stop and go, wait a minute. These are serious theological issues that we have to consider. That's what we're going to do as we look moving forward at women, abuse, and submission, and how that all plays out in a church that is made up of sinners. That's my main premise, is this once again proves that Christians don't have supernatural power to just stop sinning because the church is filled with horrific stories, horrific sin, horrific crimes inside the church, while we typically yell and scream about how bad the world is. We got enough problems inside the church. I don't know why the church is ever pointing its fingers at anyone other than if we're looking into the mirror, we can point our finger there. I'll stop there. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. All right, thanks for listening. God bless.